You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Hey, tonight I want to continue a thought called um, A Survivor's Guide to the War of the Worlds. And uh, two weeks ago, we looked at, um, you know, pain and suffering in the world. You know, God creates this good world, yet there's pain and there's suffering and there's this war between good and evil, good and bad, and uh, we're in the middle of it. And uh, in life, there seems to be this ubiquitous, ambiguous pain and suffering. And how do we survive this kind of life where pain just seems to happen? And so we love survivors, guides, almost every building that you walk into, there's a a picture or something on the wall that tells you where the emergency evacuation point is. Um, you know, we've got to fill out risk assessments for everything. Uh, we love survivors, guys. Before you go and fly, you have to listen to an induction on how to use a seatbelt in the aeroplane because apparently aircraft don't realize that we have been using them for years and years and years. Anyway, we love survivors, guys. In fact, during the holidays, we put our kids into um, a holiday program. I was working, Kat was working, so I dropped the kids off there, went to work, come back to pick them up. And as I was picking up Abby, something different happened. Usually when I pick up Abigail from school, usually she does what her mum does when she sees me, which is scream loudly and run to me, right? That's what the mum usually does. <laughs> and she does that usually, but this time she didn't do that. Her arms, she was screaming, but her arms weren't out. Her arms were like in here, ready to grab me. And I went down to give her a cuddle like what I usually do, but instead of hugging me, she grabbed my shirt. And she says, Daddy, I have to tell you something. Now, as a parent, when your six-year-old daughter grabs you by the shirt with the desperation in her eye that she's tell you something, you listen. Then she says this. She says, Daddy, I've got to tell you something, but you have to promise you're not going to get worried or angry. Now, when your six-year-old daughter says to you, starts a conversation by saying, Daddy, I'm going to tell you something, but don't get worried or angry. What's the first thing you do as a parent, right? You start to get a little bit worried and a little bit angry, right? And then she says this, she says, today our school went into lockdown. Now, who knows that when my six-year-old daughter tells me that the school's gone into lockdown, and I've heard it from her, and not from the workers, right? When I've walked in the building, who knows? Number one, I'm a little bit worried, right? Because, you know, when you have daughters, things change. I never used to believe in arranged marriages, but when I had a daughter, now I believe in arranged marriages, right? Things change when you have daughters, right? (laughs) Things change. Uh, And so I I was a little bit worried because they're in the lockdown, and I was getting a little bit angry because I didn't have a worker come and say, excuse me, Mr. Sparkles, and went into lockdown today, so I just want to let you know, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm getting a little bit worried and angry. And then she says this, because bad people could come and hurt us. Now, who knows? I'm beyond angry now right? Because I wasn't told this. And so I let go of her and I get up and I go to find one of the workers to have a piece of them. And then she grabs my hand and she says this, but daddy, don't worry. It was just a practice drill. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got down to her and I said, listen, Abby, next time start with the practice part, you muppet. Right? <laughs> now I'm hungry. And, and, right? Even their holiday program had a survivor's guide for emergency situations. Tonight, I want to share with you 
um, from one of the best survivor's guides that the world has ever seen. In fact, the survivor's guide I wanna talk to you from tonight has freed slaves. This survivor's guide has given parentless children parents. It's given possessed people promise. It's given sick people healing. Cast out people have been brought in. Hurt people have been made whole. Lonely people have found a friend. Suffering people have found salvation. And the survivor's guide I wanna talk to from, from tonight is called the Bible. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, the Bible gives us some great survival tips on how to avoid and alleviate pain and suffering, not just in your world, but in the world around you. And so I want to share some of these tips tonight. Maybe you're here tonight, and maybe right now in your life, there's a bit of pain and suffering. I want to give you some tips on how to alleviate that. Maybe your present situation is the way it is because of past hurts. Tonight, I want to give you some tips on how to alleviate the past so that your present changes, so that your future is glorious. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe your present situation is fantastic and everything in the past is awesome. But maybe you look around your world and you think to yourself, what can I do to bring heaven into hellish circumstances? Tonight, I want to give you some tips on how you can be heaven on earth. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Two weeks ago, we looked at why pain exists. And we did survival tip number one and survival tip number two. Tonight we're doing three and four. Our foundational text is John 10.10. You can see it right here. It says this. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I, being Jesus, I have come to give you everything in abundance. More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. My prayer for all of us tonight is that we would overflow in the goodness of God no matter what life throws at us. Amen? Amen. When I was 23, I became the youth pastor of my church and I was getting ready for my first ever youth camp and it was in two weeks time. As, as I was getting ready for the, uh, this youth camp, one of my youth boys called me late afternoon and I picked up the phone and I just asked, hey mate, how you, how you doing? And on the other end of the phone was this young 15-year-old boy weeping on the other end of the phone. And I was trying to un- make sense of what he was trying to tell me. All I, could, all I could understand was that something had gone wrong with his dad, something terrible, something tragic. And so I hung up and I went straight over to his house. And I got to his house and there, there was police, ambulance, and, and, and uh, the, the fire brigade everywhere. And I tried to get on the property and let them know who I was. They eventually let me in and they had told me that his dad had taken his own life. And so I walked in to his house and I tried to find Stephen and, and I eventually found him in his room sitting by himself. And I walked into this, it was a brand new youth pastor, not having much training, 23 year old. And I sat down at the end of this bed with this other 15 year old on the bed and for an hour and a half, we said nothing to each other. In that situation, there was nothing that we could say to explain the grief and the pain. We couldn't find words to explain the torment, being tormented by what was stolen, by what was slaughtered, by what was destroyed. You know, in life, one thing that isn't inevitable is pain and suffering. It's gonna happen. It just does happen in life. We have this ambiguous thing called pain. 
It began at the very beginning. The Bible shows us at the very beginning, humanity chose to walk its own way and choose a life of death, darkness, and decrease instead of with God, light, life, and increase. And in that moment, God says, because we chose to go our own way, What's going to happen is women are going to have pain during childbirth and they want to to control their husband. What the husband's going to have to face is he's going to have to face growing food amongst thorns and thistles and sweat. So at the very beginning, when we see pain and suffering enter the world, for new life to occur, it has to go through pain and for life to be sustained, it has to go through pain. This is the very beginning of the book. Pain's inevitable. But the rest of the book, the rest of the Bible is about this God that will do whatever he possibly can to get our attention. And amongst the storm, amongst the earthquake, amongst the fire, get our attention, arrest our thoughts, arrest our attention and, and bring us out of pain and destruction. After an hour and a half of sitting on this bed, not saying anything, my boy spoke up and he said, I don't want to miss youth camp. Of all the things that couldn't have been on that boy's mind, he says, I don't want youth camp taken from me. Two weeks passed, we walked the journey with him and we're at youth camp and this young man in the middle of his hell has this amazing transformation in the presence of God. And in the darkest hour of his life, he made two decisions. And tonight, I want to tell you the two things that this young man did that totally transformed his life. So that's what I want to speak to tonight. Two things that Stephen did. Two survival tips that he had that we can learn. This young guy, although he went through indescribable pain, he found an indescribable God. He finds an unlikely friend and he found unexpected hope in an expected hell. And the reason that things in his life changed, which we'll look at just in a minute, is because number one, or survival tip number three, he let go of the why question and confronted evil. He let go of the why question and confronted evil. This young man, instead of asking why, he began to confront the evil of pain and suffering head on. Instead of denying God in that situation, this young man denies the enemy to replace God. See, whenever you ask the why question, why is this happening to me? What you're really asking is, who can I blame? That's what you're really asking. When we're asking why, what we're really asking is who can I blame? But here's the thing. Blame never heals and blame never brings hope, but simply causes continued decay. Paul says this. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. See, asking why causes you to shift your uh, focus on the redemptive power of Jesus and causes you to focus your pain onto someone or something to pour it onto them. Let me explain. In the beginning, Jesus says that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, right? Satan wanted to be like God, God boots him out of heaven. Satan then becomes angry at God. And so what he then does is Satan blames God for his position and then he starts pouring his hatred onto God's creation. And so the devil, our enemy, blames God and he starts pouring that hatred into humanity. What the scripture is saying is this, that when we blame, we're giving a foothold to the enemy. That's what the enemy does. 
the enemy will ask, why? Who can I blame for this? And then pours that anger onto someone. It happened with Jesus. In John 9, 1 to 5, we, we see this amazing story where Jesus and his disciples are walking, they come across this blind guy. And the disciples ask Jesus this. They say, Rabbi, check this out. They say, can we check that on, John? John 9, 1 to 5. I want to show them this. <laughs> there it is, cool. <laughs> says this. They say, Rabbi, why is this man blind? They ask why, right? Now, why always leads to blame. Check this out. Look, why is this man blind? Was it because of his own sins? So they see this blind guy, pain and suffering, and they say, why did this happen? Is it because he did it to himself? If he did, well, he deserves that pain, right? You know? And then they say this, was it his parents? Did his parents do something? Who can we blame? This guy's going through pain and suffering. Who can we blame? But I love what Jesus says. He says this, you Muppets, it's not because anything of he, that, that he did. It's not because anything that, anything that his parents did. In fact, maybe he's blind just so we can see the power of God in his life. What Jesus is saying is this, when pain and suffering comes into your world, Get rid of the why question and just confront evil head on. Because here's the, th- here's the thing, right? Jesus could have, they could have gone and find out why this man was blind. But what Jesus is saying is this, even if you find whose fault it is, the guy's still blind. Finding who did it won't help this guy. What I help him is the power of God, right? Healed, boom, now he can see. There we go, right? <laughs> That's what God's calling us to do. Not to ask why and find someone to blame and judge, but just to get the power of God into people's lives and see freedom and wholeness. That's what we're called to do. Stop asking why bad things are happening and just begin confronting evil. Tell you what, God's going to move in your life powerfully. And so this young guy is on youth camp and he has this encounter with God. And instead of living a life of asking why his dad chose the thing that he did, instead of saying, why did my dad do that? Trying to find blame on his dad. Maybe trying to find who, whoever it was that was putting that stress on the father. Who is to blame? This young guy at youth camp decides, you know what? I'm not going to find blame. I'm going to confront this evil head on. But this young guy does is he ends up power of God on his life and he goes to school after youth camp and you can imagine you know all the kids asking questions just brings back that pain you know people with good intentions will ask what happened but it brings back that pain instead of focusing on why he does what Jesus says here Jesus says you know we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us you know, because the power of God could be seen in, in, in that blind man. Instead of being focused on why, this young boy begins focusing on the assignment that God had for his life. What he did was he went back to school different. At one point in time, he couldn't see hopelessness because he was just living his own life. But when he, had, when he had faced the storm in the darkness and he had encountered God, something shifted. He could all of a sudden see hopelessness very easily. And he actually began seeking out those who had no hope in his school. He began inviting people back to the youth group. He began leading people to Jesus in the schoolyard. And out of this young boy's pain, 
we had about 12 young people come to Jesus in a matter of months because this young guy refused to focus on the why question and just simply confront the evil of hopelessness head on. And people's lives were changed because he stopped asking why. Maybe you need to stop asking what, uh, why this happened to you and begin asking what can happen through you. Maybe we need to stop asking why is our nation depressed and begin asking what hope can we give. Maybe we need to stop asking why did that person do that to me and start asking what can I change to live. Maybe we need to stop asking why is there pain and suffering and start asking what I can do to alleviate it. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Don't focus on the cause. Let's just focus on the effect. Let's go and be the power of Jesus in our world. Because you need to know this is what we're called to do. Jesus in Luke 4, 18 19 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, blind will be set free, the oppressed set free. Notice it doesn't say, that the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because He's anointed me to go find out why there's poor people. That doesn't say that Jesus has been sent out to find out you know, whose fault it was that there's captives. <laughs> Notice it doesn't say that you know, Jesus came and He was empowered to find out whose fault it was that people were blind. Notice it doesn't say that. Notice it just says that Jesus just came and just fixed people. Jesus came and with the power of God just confronted evil head on. That's what Jesus did. But check this out. Before he does that, before he confronts evil, check this out. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he goes out. What this young guy did was he found himself in the presence of God, even in a dark place. And the spirit of God comes upon him. And it's allowed to go out into his world into his class and see oppressed people set free see survival tip number four is this live in the spirit live in the spirit if you want to know how to alleviate pain then live in the spirit the power of hope is found in God you know the Bible is full of people that found themselves in bad situations, found themselves in dire straits. But then the Spirit of the God came upon them and they did amazing things. Gideon finds himself hiding in a wine press, but then the Bible says that the Spirit of the God came upon him and he went out and faced the enemy and won. Samson says that he, uh, two lions attacked him, but then the Spirit of God came upon him and he ripped the, the, the jaws of those lions in half. You know, the Bible says that Samuel found himself in a degenerating society, but begins to pray, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he begins to prophesy a glorious future. The Bible says that Ezekiel finds himself in a valley of dead bones, but then the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he begins to prophesy, and it says that those dead bones come to life. Saul is murdering Christians, but then the Spirit of God comes upon him and God ends up using Saul, who becomes Paul, to pretty much bring Christianity into the Western world, right? All because the Spirit of God came upon someone. If you want to alleviate pain and suffering, get the Spirit of God in you. Paul says this, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, right? 
and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Here's the thing. You'll be led by two things in your world. Either you'll be led by your flesh, which leads to death, darkness, and decrease, right? We learned that in Genesis. Or you can be led by the Spirit, which leads to light, life, and increase. They're the two things that you'll be led by. The decision is, which one do you want to be led by? You want to be led by your flesh or led by the Spirit. If you want to survive and thrive in the midst of pain, then allow the Spirit of God into your life. It is that simple. It is so easy to get to Jesus. It is so easy to find joy in hell. Because if you allow the Spirit of God to come in your life, it doesn't matter how big those waves are. There's always someone who can walk on water reaching down to pick you up. If we can live in the Spirit, we have God on our side. My kids love watching National Geographic. I love it too, it's good fun. We're watching this show the other day about penguins. And um, one thing that we learned about penguins was that uh, some penguins, they'll go and fish to, to eat. They'll come back to the young and they will regurgitate the fish back up so that the young penguins can eat the, the regurgitated fish. And that's how they live, right? So they go out and fish, eat for themselves, come back, bring it all back up. The little babies can, can eat. Aren't you glad that we don't do that as humans, right? Who knows that eventually those baby penguins will need to go fishing themselves? Who knows that regurgitated fish eventually won't sustain them enough? Hello? You know, sometimes we do that, I think. We come to church every Sunday and we listen to regurgitated revelation from the pastor. And the pastor has, he's, you know, preaching from his revelation or her revelation. And we live off this regurgitated spirit. You know, this is my Sunday. I'm going to have regurgitated life going to have regurgitated victory, regurgitated freedom. But who knows that Pastor Brett, when you wake up tomorrow morning, will not be sitting at the end of your bed. Who would find that a little bit strange if Pastor Brett, when you woke up, was sitting at the end of your bed? And you're not going to wake up. And what's not going to happen, hopefully, is Pastor Brett won't be there going, Hey, you mighty man of God, you're going to have a great day. Remember you're free. Remember God's for you. Go well. That's not going to happen, right? What's going to happen is you're going to wake up and you're going to have a normal day. But abnormal things might happen. Unexpected things might happen. Unexpected pain might happen. Who knows in that moment, the past is not going to be there. Who knows that regurgitated fish isn't going to be enough. See, this is why we need to live in the Spirit Church. Because you need to know how to feed yourself. You need, you know, you need to know how to access the presence of God when you need it. Because when you live in the Spirit, you can overcome pain and suffering. In darkness, you can have the light. That's why we need to live in the Spirit. So when the ambiguity, when the ambiguity of life hits you, you have another anchor. Someone who's strong. Someone who can speak life into your situation. And that person is the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to, don't just be Sunday Christians, be everyday Christians. Get into your Bible. 
When you're with Christian friends, speak about who God is. Ask questions. When you wake up, talk to God because He is at the, bed, at the end of your bed. Live in the Spirit. Stop living off regurgitated revelation. Psalm says this, the Lord is near. Check this out. Listen. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. It doesn't say the Lord is near to whom He likes. Doesn't say the Lord is near to some. It says all who call on Him and to all who call on Him in truth. All you need to do to have God in your life is just genuinely say, God, I'm here. Please be, please help me. I don't know what to do in this situation. Please help me. Please bring someone my way. Please make something unexpectedly good happen. God hears that. Because when you're genuinely after Him living in the Spirit, He's there to anyone who calls on Him. The real question becomes then this, can you hear Him? One day we're on holidays at this place called Cedar Creek Falls in Ellie Beach and my son loves um, throwing rocks in the water. He just loves it. And so we're throwing rocks in the waterfall, big rock pool in the rainforest. And we're throwing rocks, having a great time. And I sat back down and I watched him throwing these rocks. And he picked one up and dropped it and then went and found another one to throw it in. And I thought to myself, that was strange because he throws every single rock into the water. Why did he drop that one? I walked over to it, picked it up. And as I picked it up, I saw this ant's nest just underneath the rock. I dropped the rock and walked away just like he did. But in that moment, I looked at the ant's nest and some were coming in, some were going out, all in a straight line. And it's, looked, it's like they had a purpose. And I just became aware of the situation. I sat back down and all of a sudden, I was deafened by how much life was actually around me. I could hear frogs croaking. I could hear all the insects in the rainforest. I could hear crickets just so loud. I could hear birds singing. Before I couldn't, all I could hear was the noise that my son and myself were making. But in that moment, I became aware of all the life that was around me. You know, sometimes we live a life like that, where we're so distracted by our own noise that we can't hear from God. But all we have to do is just stop, be aware that He's here. And He'll answer all those who call on Him and have a genuine heart. And in that moment, in that small, soft situation, God can drop something in your mind. God can introduce you to someone who might have an answer. Your situation might change in a moment just because you stopped and shut up. And stop focusing on your own pain. Stop asking why. Stop finding blame. And just live in His presence. Be aware of who He is. Just got to find who. Just got to find Jesus. That's it. Got to live in His Spirit. I learned something about the presence of God that day was this I'm not that often aware of it <laughs> but every moment let's just be aware that God's with us 
And no, no, no matter what's happened in the past, no matter what's happening now, if I call on him, my, my path changes and good things can happen. See, pain and suffering exists, but you need to know that there's a survivor's guide and his name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. And one of the tips is to live in the spirit. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're down, he's high. When you're drowning, he's walking on water. When your past comes back to hurt, he's calling you forward to a bright future. When you're stressed, his presence is light. When your pain seems to be your bread and you're suffering your meal, he delivers a new water of life. That's who my Jesus is. I would love for you to meet him today. Maybe you're here tonight and maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to a life that even in the storm, even in the middle of hell, heaven seems to show up. That happens all the time with Jesus. I'm not saying that your pain goes away. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you, that you have someone that you can trust. Just like my youth boy found in the middle of his hell, he found a friend. He found unexpected hope. That can happen for you tonight. Why don't we just close all of our eyes here tonight? And I want to ask you the question, maybe you're here tonight, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. It's really simple to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He's Lord, you're saved. It's that easy. All you have to do is just believe it and say it. The Bible says that. You start in that relationship. And So if that's you here tonight, if you're saying, Tim, I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say yes to having hope. That's you here tonight. If you just give me a quick wave, because I want to pray for you tonight. Is there anyone here saying, Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus. Awesome, we have one. Anyone else? Anyone else here saying, Tim, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. Anyone else here? Very cool. Hey, why don't we just pray this all together, right? Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross paying for my sins giving me a fresh start today I give you my life I ask you to forgive me for going my own way today I repent be the Lord of my life and with all of my heart I'm going to find out what pleases you in Jesus name Amen hey why don't we give it up for that guy who gave his life to Jesus tonight so cool awesome Woo. Hey, maybe you're here and things are good. Well, I spoke about pain a lot tonight. Maybe things are good. You know what really hurts me? Is how many hurt people there are in our community. I'll tell you what. Maybe some of us here tonight need this week to be a week of being aware of what's happening in our community. Maybe we need to open our eyes up a bit more. Because I tell you what, I'm going to go off topic here. You know, Jesus only sent two people to help. And it was because they overlooked poor people. That's why. Our job in this city is to bring hope. This week, why don't you look around your workplace? Why don't you look around your school or your university? Look around in your family. It's a good start. And look for hopelessness. And like Stephen, why don't you put yourself right in the middle of it and confront it? Bring hope. 
bring life, bring light, bring increase. I'll tell you what, you do that, you're going to see people one to Jesus. Not just on a Sunday because some guy's talking here, but you. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if our church is growing because you're bringing people to church and they're already said yes to Jesus? <laughs> How cool would that be? It's going to happen when we become aware of it, right? When we become aware of it, stop asking why. Let's just confront evil. Let's be an active church. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand up? Let me pray for you. And uh, we're going to pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast.